Another shot in the end zone. Double coverage, but Randy Moss comes down with it. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Viking sideline has gone nice. This team that we're looking for next year. We're proving it's now. the Going for Two podcast. Now, join your hosts, Ben and Kate. All right, and welcome back, everybody. This is the Going for Two podcast, and I am your host, Ben Old, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Caleb Miller. Caleb, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Another oh. week of football coming up, uh, one week closer to the regular season. Oh, I know what you mean, and I am thrilled to be here today. I cannot wait to talk some football. We had an exciting week two of the preseason and it was it was action packed. There were some highlights. There were definitely some low points as well from the for the preseason this week. Some players really stuck out. Some players really were less than uh, we were hoping for. But overall, I think it was a pretty good week of football. But most importantly, that's just another week of preseason down. One week closer to the all important start of the NFL season. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, my favorite thing about this new preseason is just one week less of it. So. We see better football in those three weeks, and cuts come sooner. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, I don't mind the preseason football. I'm just glad football is back, to be honest. It's something cool to watch. Um, We are recording this podcast on August 21st, 2023, but you guys will hear it on the 23rd of August, Wednesday. Um, Currently going on right now, we have the Washington Redskins going against the Baltimore Ravens. you have any thoughts on this game while it's going on right now, Caleb? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sam Howell just took a big sack and then came back on third down and threw a little bit of a dime. So okay. uh, I think uh, he might be worth looking at this year for sure. And, you know, before we get into the meat of it, and I'm going to give you guys a brief rundown of what how tonight's podcast is going to go, but I do want to say something about Sam Howe. I think that Sam Howe is one guy that's being really slept on in this, in this upcoming NFL season, you know, lower round draft pick that was selected by the Washington Redskins. But, you know, going into that NFL, that draft season, that 2022 NFL draft season, he was seen as one of the better quarterback prospects in the offseason. And I think he really got slept on in the NFL draft process. He got really underrated. But do you have any thoughts about that, Caleb? Yeah, I I want to save it for a little bit of a structure, but I think new ownership, new quarterback, I think uh, the Redskins might be trending in the, the correct direction here. Oh, that makes sense. But so for tonight's podcast, we're going to do kind of a, a brief oh, rundown. I said Redskins. I meant Commanders. Uh, we're Old not habits die hard. Uh, we're not going to ding you too much. You know, I think I might have said it as well. But, you know, there's a rumor that that's coming back. Who knows, though? Um, a lot of Fingers things crossed. Are, a lot of things are in motion right now. But, um, you know, new ownership. But we'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, so for tonight's podcast, we're going to do some of the big break, some of the big news, which there, there's not too much earth shattering news, but there are some things that have been coming out that are really intriguing, that are really fun. So we'll go through some of those. We'll give our thoughts and our break and our, uh, our opinions on those, but then we'll do a, we'll kind of do an off season deep dive into the NFC, um, touch on each one of the NFC teams and kind of, you know, see what each one of them are up to. Um, cause I mean, there's a lot of potential in the NFC right now, a lot of young potential, a lot of unproven potential. But um, there's a lot coming down the pipeline. So, Caleb, you ready to get busy? Uh, Let's do it. 
All right, sounds good. So for our, for so for this week in news, the most earth-shattering news and the biggest NFL news that we're experiencing right now is the recent breaking news from NFL.com. It's being reported that Jonathan Taylor has been granted permission by the Indianapolis Colts to seek a trade. This yeah, is big if, news, man. Yeah, I was going to say, if you listen to our first episode, uh, we really took a deep dive into the offseason on the running back market and all the, the running back drama behind Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. And so just tack this one on to another tally on the old running back saga market for 2023. Um, any thoughts on where he could land? Um, you know, what we're hearing right now is that sounds like Miami's the front runner. Um, I've heard that, you know, the reports are coming out right now is that the Indianapolis Colts are gonna, aren't going to take anything less than a first round pick and some extra cheddar on top of that as well. So, I mean, they're asking a tall order for the former offensive player of the year. I don't know if he's worth it in this depressed running back market for a first-round pick. I'm a little iffy. I think he would be dynamic in that Miami backfield. They've got a lot of guys there, Raheem, Mer- uh, Raheem Mostert um, and a bunch of other guys that are in yeah, there. Yeah, Devin A-Chain. But Devin A-Chain just got hurt as well as um, who's the other guy that's kind of week-to-week right now over there? Um and they've got a lot of a lot of high end running backs over there, and a lot of them are pretty br- brittle. I know Salvin Ahmad, he's he's had his plenty of issues as well. Raheem Mostert's constantly in and out of the trainers tent. Um, we've got a bunch of different guys that you know have got a lot of potential. Um, I know Jeff Jeff Wilson is there as well, and he's gone through Jeff Wilson. Of- thank you. Yeah, that's that's the guy I was looking for. He's a stud. He's never been able to have been handed that feature role at the start of the season. I think he's got potential. He's still semi-young to, I think, 26. Um, but, you know, I think, obviously, if Jonathan Taylor were to be added to that Miami offense, my goodness, man. I mean, I, it's going to be a lot to deal with. I mean, and there's going to be a, even more pressure put on Tua's shoulders. It would really be a make-or-break season for Tua. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it would be pretty exciting. They would definitely be the most dynamic offense, I think, in the NFL. I think shoulders. Yeah, I think from top down, I mean, they'd have, you know, two elite wide receivers in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill, if you will. Um, but, I mean, a good offensive line, solid offensive line, some really good high-end talent there. Man, it's there's a lot. That would be a lot of weight on two. I would not. Yeah, it would almost chance. remind me of, like, the 49ers, how they have all these pieces surrounded by kind of like a mediocre quarterback. And it's can that mediocre quarterback become an average quarterback and take them to a Super Bowl? I kind of equate it to a Corvette. You have a Corvette, but you don't have the keys. So that quarterback really is the keys that starts the engine and gets it moving and allows it to perform at its highest level. But, you know, I'm optimistic about Miami. I don't know if there's any other teams out there that are going to be looking to make a move for a running back. Um, I don't know. There has been no reports coming out right now. And it hasn't seemed, it seemed like in the Dalvin Cook sweepstakes, it was really between the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. You know, senses would lead to, you know, Miami did not end up getting, you know, Dalvin Cook. So it would make sense that they would be the big player for it. But do you have any idea of any other teams? Do you have any speculation where he might end up going? I mean, I think you hit on one of the teams potentially could be the Vikings. They just lost their star running back just because of, you know, kind of disgruntled, not a good fit anymore. No, that's the truth. I yeah. my, my biggest question is, is I think we had talked about last week, is they might be trying to save a little bit of cash for, um, that massive Justin Jefferson deal that's coming through. I don't know if they're going to want to invest that heavily in a running back. Jonathan Taylor's got a new deal coming up on the line. It's going to be interesting to watch and see how it unfolds. Um, I, I was talking to one of my contacts earlier this week. 
contact is actually one of my friends, but I was talking to one of my contacts earlier this weekend. We just didn't see any way possible that Jonathan Taylor stayed in Indianapolis after the comments that were made by Jim Isray. I mean, he really fractured that relationship with uh, Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, he could have just left it as be. And I think it would have been fine. I think Taylor would have reported to camp and played. But, you know, he came out and basically devalued the running back market himself with some of the comments that he made. So really not a good look for Indianapolis right now, that franchise. And, you know, we touched on it last week. Like I said, we that organization is definitely in some hot water right now. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you just touched on a key point with uh, Jim Irsay. I don't think he will agree to a trade sending Jonathan Taylor anywhere into the AFC. I think it has to be an NFC team of where he lands. No, I mean, that would make the most sense. Yeah, that definitely. Makes I think that's sense. just out of his pettiness, honestly. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Um, yeah, we'll see how it unfolds and we'll wait eagerly. So they've got about uh, about two weeks, week and a half to kind of figure things out. Um, but we'll see how it all unfolds, but we'll be there waiting and we'll be ready to cover it when it happens. Um, jumping right into the heart of our program, we want to deep dive into the NFC. So the NFC, which is, you know, we've been seeing it kind of on the downturn for the last couple of years. We've been seeing a lot of talent leave this year. Most notably, Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC, takes his talents over to the AFC um, with, you know, the, the New York Jets. I'm not optimistic about the NFC this year. I know they've got a lot of talent. Dallas is always going to be a competitor up there. They've got a good roster. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure about the Packers. I'm out on the Packers. The NFC South looks a little down this year. It's going to be a major rebuilding year for that division. And then even the West, we got the 49ers in there. And, you know, Seattle's been kind of, you know, 500 or a little bit better they're a playoff team but does anybody really think that they're a Super Bowl contender there's a lot to get into do you have any over kind of arching overarching thoughts on the NFC this year Caleb yeah um I mean in my mind I think the I've said this numerous times is that I think the NFC is a three dog race and mainly it's a two dog race between the Eagles and the uh, 49ers again and then maybe a dark horse and the Bears coming up to see if Justin Fields can really produce this year no, that's the truth, and I didn't even mention Philadelphia. That's not to take anything away from the uh, NFC representative in the Super Bowl this past year. But with that being said, you ready to get into it, Caleb? Yeah, 100%. Where we started. All right, sounds good. We're going to start off in the NFC East, and let's start off with the bang. Let's start off with the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles. You know, Philadelphia is coming off a really successful season last year, by far the best team in the NFC they have a, a MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They've got a loaded defense with more talent than they know what to do with. They added more pieces, especially in Nolan Smith this offseason. Um, they've added just a ton of different pieces up top, down, across the board. Um, their offense is loaded as well. They did lose some running back talent, but like we've said, it's a depressed market for running backs, so I'm not really too, too worried about that. But what are your thoughts? My only thought is shame on every NFL team that allowed Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith to both drop to this already stacked Eagles defense. Not only did they add that, they added some secondary help to go along with their pass rushers. Uh, Let's see. I think it was like one, two, three, four, five out of their seven picks or five out of their one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five out of their seven were on the defensive side of the ball. And two were in the first round, which are looking to shaping up to be potential rookie of the years. 
And I mean, it's definitely a testament to the loaded nature of their roster. Offensively, they have more talent than they know what to do with. So obviously, they were allowed to allow uh, they were they were allowed to allow the draft board to come to them um, as they see it. Kind of take that best player available model, which really worked out really well for them. Um, I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be the top top they're the cream of the crop in the NFC again this year. I think they're the front runner to make a deep playoff run into the postseason. I don't want to say it's all dependent on Jalen Hurts, just because that roster is good enough to get to 10, 11 wins on its on its own, depend regardless of who's at in the back or uh, taking snaps from under center. But I mean, there is still a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts this year. I mean, he's going to have to deliver. He got that big contract this offseason, which I think was actually a smart move by Philadelphia to sign him a year earlier than he really needed to be signed. But man, there's there's not a there's not a hole on that roster. Yeah, I mean, I think the NFC still runs through the, through them, and with them picking up two really good defensive rookies, I mean, that have looked already spectacular in the preseason, I, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. No, I agree, and I don't want to take away from that. I know that we said the running backs, a li- running back there is a little weak, um, but I mean, they did and I uh, add DeAndre Swift this off season to add a kind of another pass catching wrinkle to that backfield. You know, it's already got some guys there currently that can run the ball that were proven they were part of the roster last year. So, I mean, there are plenty of options for Jalen Hurts to take his talents to or to, to make plays. Um, A.J. Brown, obviously, Devonta Smith, just loaded up roster, Dallas Goddard. They're going to be great. But they're going that defense is going to have its handful because they're going to be going up against the Dallas Cowboys twice this year. So what do you think on Dallas this year? Yeah, Dallas is, in my mind, always going to Dallas. You know, they're going to be in the hunt of things. If they're that eight and eight down the stretch, are they going to make the playoffs? You know, slipping in on the wild card might miss it. Um, and honestly, like I don't even think they they might not even be the second best team in this division this year. I mean, I think it's between them and the Giants, just battling it out, slugging it out for a wild card spot. No, I would agree. And honestly, I would think that I think that personally, I think that Dallas actually got a little worse this year. Um, yeah, I, know I think Ezekiel, they took a step back. I know Ezekiel Elliott it wasn't the player that he's that he once was, but you know he was still an elite level goal line back last year. Um, a lot's going to be running, uh, riding on Tony Pollard's shoulders this year. He's going to really have to produce there. Their wide receivers are banged up. Um, I know that you know. I mean, C.D. Lamb is always a guy on the outside, but there's not many on the other side of him. So I mean, he, there's kind of holes at tight end. Dalton Schultz is a really solid option, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy for the entirety of his career. There's Same still, with Michael Gallup. Yeah, Michael Gallup's coming off the ACL. wasn't fully ready to come back last year, but came back towards the end of the year, made a few plays, but looked a little iffy. The defense, it's pretty much the same. They added a few draft picks there, but nothing really to move the needle in the right direction in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and God forbid Dak gets hurt again and Cooper Rush has to come in. Yeah, Cooper but Rush, right? um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't foresee them advancing on the uptick of getting better. I think they took a step backwards and I think the giants are taking a step forward at the same time. No, I think and they might swap positions here. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's where we're, we're getting to the giants and, you know, with the giants, they're kind of that third team in the uh, NFC East here. They've made some massive improvements across the board. They added Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, Belichnikoff award winner, Great deep threat wide receiver who's, you know, some would say he has an incomplete route tree, but I'm a little bit higher on him than most. He's looked pretty good in the preseason this year. 
Um, they added talent on defense as well. Um, but it all comes down to Daniel Jones. He is the end-all, be-all for the New York football giants. I like Daniel Jones, Caleb. I really do. I don't I don't know why, um, but I really do. I'm very optimistic about him. Yeah, I'm the same way, and reports are coming out right now this week that uh, looks a little bigger from last year. He's added about 10 pounds of muscle, apparently. Good for him. I mean, he was a a skinnier type of guy, but you know he has a similar frame. I'm not saying he's the same player, but he's a similar frame to Josh Allen in terms of his height, in terms of the broadness of his shoulders. So, I mean, I think he can add that additional weight, and he's going to need it if he's going to rush as much as he did. But the thing that makes me the most optimistic is that he had a solid season last year, and they literally, I mean, there's no shadow of a doubt, had zero talent around him outside of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it kind of reminded you, reminded you of how often Burrow was getting hit here in Cincinnati, of yeah. people just constantly trashing that O-line. Right. I looked at that O-line and then looked at the Giants O-line. I was like, oh, these two are battling for the worst in the NFL, pretty much. And, they and then Daniel Jones is still scrambling out there making plays, handing it off to Barkley, who's having a career year. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and the offensive line is healthier this year. I know Andrew Thomas was in and out of the lineup last year, so he's a really good tied, a uh, really good tackle. Just got paid a bunch of money um, for the tackle there in New York, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how he how they play out. They've got a lot of competition. The NFC East is loaded, and actually, the last team that we're gonna cover there is the one we mentioned in the intro to the podcast, the Washington Commanders. I say in air quotes. Um, the commies. Are, <laughs> I'm not going to say commies, but yes, they are kind of the fourth team there in that on the in the NFC East. They're kind of the odd man out, the forgotten one, the ugly stepchild, if you will. Um, but you know, a lot of optimism to be had about Washington this year. You know, they've kind of revamped the roster. They've got a really good defensive line, a decent defense overall. Um, offensively, they've got some pretty good talent there. But I think most importantly, there's no Dan Snyder anymore. So I mean, no that's Dan Snyder. That's, always a massive win for the franchise if you can cut a cancer like him out. And I think they they might be onto something with their ownership team there that they have now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was an anchor that was holding that team down and a kind of a gray cloud over that city for the longest of times. I think they're smart. They got a uh they pretty much rebranded their their team name, new ownership, new quarterback, aka face of the franchise. Uh, so I really think it's a turning of the page for the organization as a whole, putting the Dan Snyder era behind them. Uh, now it's, you know, it's a blank slate. Who knows what's going to happen? How good is Sam Howell going to be? How good is Terry McLaurin going to be this year? Will they connect and be on the same page? Can they get, you know, four to six wins and be kind of on that that next playoff threshold, you know, coming up in the horizon to where, here in the next three, four, maybe five years, they start slipping in and beating the Cowboys, beating the Giants, earning that uh, NFC wild card. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, honestly, what I was thinking this entire draft process, um, especially when I think about Sam Howe, is like I said in the intro, Sam Howe was a guy who was seen as a first-round pick. He was seen as the guy in that 2022 NFL draft before he slid down draft boards drastically. Um, the thing that was that was stated, I think, is one of the biggest reasons is that he didn't produce in his junior year there at North Carolina. He also is a little bit slighter in stature, smaller guy, but put up numbers at North Carolina. But the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about, but was kind of like in the footnotes of his draft profile, is that in that junior year, I think he only returned like something like one or two starters on the offensive side of the ball in North Carolina. So 
he had a lot of raw young talent to work with there. Wasn't a lot of veteran, a lot of veteran guys there that could provide that experience for him. He fell down draft boards. I think Washington, my personal opinion, and I said this the day that they drafted him, I think Washington's got a diamond in the rough, and I expect I expect big things from Sling and Sammy Howe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, what you were saying, he's only 6'1", 220, so he's not huge in stature. Um, but, I mean, the play that I just saw, he doesn't lack talent at all tonight. You know, took a really bad sack on second down. Third and long, came back, stands in the pocket, moves around, finds an open guy, slings it down the field for 30, I think it was like 30, 35 yards, first down completion, keeps the chains moving. And that's what um, I expect from him. I mean, the, the improv- improvisational play, I know he's got a short-term memory, which is great. Um, I did, and he I mean, benefits, yeah, he's benefiting from two very senior quarterbacks that are right behind him, and Jacoby Brissett and Jake Fromm. Both of those guys have very high-level NFL IQs, have been around for a little bit, really can teach them the X's and O's of the playbook and the speed of the game here in the NFL. No, I agree. And what I would say on that part is, long story short, I am very excited about Washington. I think they're gonna. there's a lot of optimism there. I think top-down, I, I hate to say that it gets worse, um, or it, it gets worse, the talent level gets worse in each division, but it does. There is a bit of a drop-off there. You know, the NFC North is one of those teams that has seen a lot of talent leave, and there's a lot of question marks there. A real big transitional year for the NFC North, starting with the Green Bay Packers, who move on for the third time in my lifetime, which is crazy to think in 33 years, there's only been really three quarterbacks that have really taken meaningful snaps for the Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre, and then Aaron Rodgers. And now it is the Jordan Love season. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, um, I, I hinted to this one in the first episode that we have had. It was Aaron Rodgers handing over the keys to now uh, Jordan Love, and it's you know it's Love time, baby. We're gonna see what happens. Um, he hasn't impressed here in preseason so far. Uh, he was here in Cincinnati uh, last week uh, for I think it was for like a series and didn't look too great. But my uh, the biggest question is like who's he gonna throw the ball to this year? Yeah, that is question. I mean, there's a lot of rookies there. I know they still have Romeo Dubs that's there. Christian Watford is there, or Christian Watson is still there, who should both of which showed a lot of potential last year, but flashes. And that's kind of the story with Green Bay moving forward. Is there's been lot of flashes but not a lot of production from them so far at least for the entirety of the season but they are second year guys when it comes to Jordan Love I will say this and every time I think of Jordan Love I go back to that 2020 NFL draft when I was watching it live the Joe Burrow Justin Herbert Tua Tangalova um, draft Jordan Love was a clear step below those three guys in terms of quality of a prospect I was never a big fan of Jordan Love I'm never a fan of a quarterback coming out of college that didn't produce in college, especially at a higher level and especially at Utah State. I was expecting a lot more for Jordan Love. So my baseline excitement for that him as a player and a prospect was very low. I don't personally, I don't think we see a lot of these quote unquote project quarterbacks that are drafted highly really succeed a lot. <coughs> Anthony, Anthony Richardson. But <laughs> I don't see a lot of guys produce like that. Um, so I'm always a little bit more negative about them going into the season. Um, Green Bay, their defense is a little bit older. Their best player, Rashawn Gary, is coming off of a massive injury. Didn't look right last year, coming off the ACL. Um, 
they're okay, I guess. I don't think that they're the front runner. I think for the first time in probably probably about a decade, they might be the third or fourth team in that division. Yeah, how how weird is that to say? Third or fourth team. No, I, I completely agree. It sounds weird. I think the way that, that roster looks from top to bottom, and now there's rumors circulating that New York is going to put together a massive trade package for David Bakhtiari. That who's probably the best best offensive lineman they have, maybe one of the top three best left tackles in all of football right now. If he leaves, I think it truly goes into a rebuilding year. And now, and if David, if Bakhtiari leaves and moves goes to New York, like some of the reports are stating, I, I'm starting to feel bad for Jordan Love that his first shot is kind of on the corpse of a once championship contender. It, it's, it's not like I mean. Great. Nature of the beast, man. I mean, how we, did we really feel bad for all those quarterbacks that went to die in Cleveland over the years just because they were a dysfunctional organization? No, I, I mean, I can't, it's the nature of the game. Like you said, the nature of the beast, it's what happens. It's kind of the hand that you're dealt, and you just got to make the best of it. If you're a quality player, talent shines through no matter the situation. So if he is a guy, um, I think we're going to know really quickly. Another quarterback that there's a lot of questions about right now um, up there, you know, as well in the NFC North uh, coming in a windy Chicago, Justin Fields. Now that's a, that's a team that's got a lot to talk about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of off season season moves, added some wide receivers. Justin Fields came off of a season where he almost broke the quarterback rushing record and says, you know, he is a hundred percent going to do it this year. Um, and then the first pass he threw in preseason was like a 50-yard touchdown. So that is true. I am um I'm 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 out on Justin Fields. I think he's a big fantasy guy. I think if you look at almost every statistical metric from last year, he was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL in terms of passing ability. I think he is a playmaker. I think everything about this roster, I know they added DJ Moore in the offseason who's a Elite level X wide receiver definitely can stretch the field. He can make plays all over the field. He's not just a deep threat guy, but he can make plays all across the field. Chase Claypool's there. Um, they've got a lot of talent, but it all depends on Justin Fields. And I, man, I'm just, I can't get myself excited about Justin Fields. The rushing intrigues me, and especially for fantasy purposes, I gain a little bit of optimism from Chicago, but I'm kind of out on the Bears. See, I am on the flip side of it. I am. All my chips pushed in. Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Moore. Sorry, um, I think they're going to have something special this year. I hope they do because I mean the the rest. I mean, and I don't think it should be too too difficult to come out on top in that division. Like we said at the beginning of this segment, the NFC North is really in a drastic um, transitional year where we're seeing a lot of guys that are going to be kind of moving around. They've been moving rosters. A lot of talent leaving this division, so. You know, it's kind of like it's there for the taking for any one of these teams, and I think the Bears are more poised than just about anyone to take it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think just with the big body of Justin Fields, I think he's going to keep the Bears in a lot of games, kind of like the the first couple seasons of Lamar Jackson where they just dominated so much time of possession. I think that could be what we end up seeing this year with the Bears is that Justin Fields is just going to dominate the time of possession on the, the offensive side of the ball with his rushing stats, that it's going to be low-scoring games that they're just going to edge out um, on the back end. Oh, I agree. 
I mean, he's definitely going to be putting up some rushing numbers. That's for sure. What I really did like to see, and I will say this, the Bears were a dysfunctional organization to start the season last year. But what I really did enjoy about what they did is when they started to open up the playbook, embrace Justin Fields' strengths, allow him to start getting the ball in space, moving to the outside, make plays with his legs. That's the key to success with Justin Fields. As long as they keep following that model, they're going to put up points in buckets. Um, it's, I mean, there's there's some questions on the defensive side of the ball there. Not many playmakers that you can rattle off the top of your head. Solid guys, but not really a lot of superstar power there. I'm not as optimistic about Chicago as like you are, but I think, like I said, I think the potential is there for them to make it into the playoffs and do some damage while they're there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And just a point, one last point on the Bears before we move on is that he did, Justin Fields, that is, did get a lot of rushing yards last year in what we call, as fantasy fantasy overs, garbage time. So it will be interesting to see if those numbers progress or just hold serve, so-called, on uh, when they are in close games where, you know, each possession really matters. The defense isn't dropping back, playing, you know, cover eight, cover seven, cover nine even in some cases, um, backing totally off and only rushing two or three three guys and unstacking the box, if you will. So it'll be interesting to see during these tight games with a, a stacked box where they're spying Justin and trying to see, you know, lock down DJ Moore on the outside, um, if he can make the correct reads and continuously progress the ball down the field. No, it's going to be exciting to watch. And he's definitely an exciting player. The league needs as many as they can get. And I, don't, I just want to make it clear. I hope Justin Fields is successful. I hope that every Every player that comes into the NFL experiences enough success. Um, I think it's a testament to their hard work. So I may be not as high on Justin Fields as some may be, but I do wish him the most success. And, you know, I hope to be proven wrong about almost every player. So I really hope that, you know, he can really show out this year. You keep bad-mathing him and uh, Mike Ditka's show up at your door. (laughs) Never know. You don't want to mess with Ditka, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, you definitely do not want to miss out on that. Um, one team that I am excited about in the NFC North, and I think they have a lot of positive buzz and there's a lot of energy, the Detroit Lions. I am, I love their coach. Um, I love that hard nosed football style that Dan Campbell brings to the organization. Hide hide your kneecaps. You definitely want to hide them kneecaps. There's going to be no biting available. So, I mean, I am really excited about the Detroit Lions. I really like this roster. They have a lot of fun energy and buzz about them this year. They're young. They're upstart. They're ready to start producing. I know, Caleb, you have a special connection to the Detroit Lions. I do. Um, I'll, let I you do. Talk, I'll let you talk about that in a little bit I here. did coach uh, linebacker Derek Barnes in high school for a couple of years. So. And when he's and then, seen the field, too, he's produced. Yeah, yeah, he's produced. I was begging the Bengals to take him and. They uh they went a different way, unfortunately, and I think they maybe regret that decision because he's turned out to be a very, very solid player there in the middle of the field. And who knows? I mean, he's he saw playing time and limited action last year, but I think kind of the sky is the limit for him. I think they're going to turn the keys over to him. He's going to be one of the starters there in that linebacker core for Detroit. But, you know, I think from in terms of taking kind of taking a step back and looking at the roster um, as a whole, I think there's talent across the board with this roster. I really do like it a lot. I think the running game is going to have a really, really unique ripple. I'm excited to see how David uh, David Montgomery can complement Jameer Gibbs and how they utilize and platoon those two backs. Um, 
Jameer Gibbs, not just for fantasy purposes. I love him at Alabama. I think he's a versatile running back. I heard there's been reports coming out that he's going to be lining up in the slot almost as much as he is out of the backfield, a la uh, Austin Eckler from the Chargers. I'm really excited to see this. I think Dan Campbell is going to get creative with things. I don't know if he, Dan Campbell's a big X's and O's guy, but he's definitely a motivator. I know he's going to have these guys coming in and ready to play. They almost sniffed the playoffs last year. I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be ripping, roaring, and ready to go this upcoming season. Yeah, we and you, you totally skipped over two of the biggest storylines. Is you know Teddy B wearing number fifty-five as a quarterback? Backup quarterback is one of the biggest storylines. Yeah, he's wearing fifty-five. When was the last time you saw a quarterback wear fifty-five? Never. So these new rules are. <laughs> it's going to take. It's going to take a little bit to get used to with these new rules and everything. Pretty sure he was oh, yeah. six in college. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, me personally, though, I am excited to see Hendon Hooker potentially. If um, you know, sitting right behind Jared Goff, see if he how he progresses through the year, and who knows? I mean, if the lines start, you know, not producing and Goff isn't having the greatest year, they might end up going with Hooker. We'll see if he plays. He hasn't seen the field yet in the preseason. I know they're still letting him kind of recover from that ACL, but I've been hearing midseason he should be ready. Um, I think, like you said, if they if they're not producing, I think they're going to definitely turn the turn uh turn the, the the car over to him and let him drive for a little bit and see what they got there. Third round pick, there's not a lot of investment there in that guy, but I mean, low to potential, old old as hell. But I mean, there's a lot of potential there with him. Um, 25 will be 26 for his rookie season coming in January. Um, I'm optimistic about Hendon Hooker. I liked him. He was actually, you know what, if he was 21 years old and had a healthy knee, he would have been my number one quarterback in the draft. This, for this if it past wasn't year. for that bum knee. If it wasn't for the bum knee and that, uh, <laughs> the, that, that you, know, you never know, arthritis might be forming in that knee. He's so old. So, yeah. so if they can get yeah. him, you know, a, you know, a Nike pro elite walker or something like that, you know. Oh, don't put him in the, the Greg Oden fan club. No, he's definitely. Don't do him like that with I, the old I, knees. There is nobody in the Greg Oden fan club. There is nobody that's that's going to be able to hold water to that man. If you want to do a whole separate podcast, we can do that and highlight his career because that man was a stud, but he was just not meant to be born into a body like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Speaking of old guys, you like that? Yeah, <laughs> you do like that. Speaking of, of you like that, let's go to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And this is one of those teams, kind of like the Green Bay Packers, where I want to say they have one exemplary shining star of talent there in Justin Jefferson. And they added some new talent in Mario Addison to compliment him. But other than that, Kirk Cousins, he's about as vanilla as you can get. He's going to produce. He's going to put up, you know, his 4,200 yards, his 25 to 30 touchdowns every single year. Can't win a game in primetime or in the postseason to save his life, but he's a solid starting quarterback in the NFL, which is a valuable commodity. Those are needed. But this roster, top to down, there is not much there that gets me excited outside of Jefferson and Addison. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And we touched on this in the first podcast is they spent all this money on Justin Jefferson and let some talent go. And I just don't know if it's the right call. I'm not sure if it is or not. Um, I am kind of optimistic about them. Um know if I'm, I want to say actually optimistic, but I have high hopes for that roster. Um, I really do like Kevin O'Connell. I think he brings a really nice offensive ripple to that roster. Um, and now that he's kind of got everybody healthy, he's got an extra wide receiver to play with. TJ Hawkinson, Hawkinson is there at tight end, who's about as in that beard B tier of tight ends. He's about as good as they come. So 
I think they'll be competitive. I think I'm looking for about a 500 season from them. Yeah, um, and then I know um, Nikhil Harry's looking for a second chance in the NFL as well after, you know, it didn't pan out up there in Foxborough with the Patriots. So um, who knows? It might be new life up there in the Dome in Minnesota. Who knows? I mean, he didn't pan out with Chicago either last year. Oh, yeah, my bad. Third chance. Sorry. Third chance. So, I mean, he was – Third time's the charm, right? He was – I mean, that's what they say. And, I mean, you know – I don't. I don't ever like giving up on a wide receiver early in their career because you know sometimes some of these wide receivers do take a couple years to start producing. I think there's countless examples of that. Adam Thielen didn't start producing in Minnesota until about his fourth or fifth year, actually. So I mean, who knows? He could end up being a guy working in the slot there. There's a need there, um, obviously He's in that offense. Big bot. He was so good at Arizona State. I remember watching him at Arizona State, thinking, "Man, this guy is a first round talent," and then got up to Foxborough. I don't know if it's just that Patriots offense with Mac Jones up there not being able to like air it out properly or what it was, but it just was not a good fit. And then same thing in Chicago where, you know, you have Justin Fields. Yeah, they're not passing the ball around. Not really Chicago slinging the ball great, but running you, it. Not putting you in a lot of positions to really optimize your talents or showcase your talents, if you will. But um, Yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely in two offenses that – did not fit his wide receiver style in the least bit. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think overall, though, for the uh, for the NF for the NFC North, I'm not as excited about the NFC North. I don't think there's as many juicy storylines that as uh, as some of these other teams that we're going to cover are. Um, I think one of the biggest storylines coming into this offseason is coming out of the NFC South um, with Bryce Young going to the Carolina Panthers, drafted number one overall. A lot of hype, a lot of awards and accolades that uh, came his way during his college career at Alabama, but he is the new set to be the new face of the franchise there in Carolina. Tell me about him, Caleb. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, so far it's looked pretty rough. He has struggled to get the speed of the game down so far, at least in preseason. And I know, as Allen Iverson says, we're talking about practice, so... These games don't really mean anything, but it's not a promising look and not putting his best foot forward so far. I hope it changes for the sake of the Panthers. No, and the one thing that I always it seems I keep going back to is and it seems with like these rookie quarterbacks. I know we touched on it last week. I'm just looking for a flash. I need something that showcases the amount of talent that he has. I think that there is a limited number of quarterbacks that have produced and turned in a really productive career after struggling and looking very raw at the beginning of their career. I think two of the more recent examples are Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Both looked incredibly raw in their first season in the, in the league. In the second year, they really started pouring it on and became the players that they are, which are you know top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, or at least the argument can be had that there's, they're both top five quarterbacks in the NFL. But Bryce Young... I haven't seen it so far in preseason. Like you said, it is preseason, so take it as it take it as yeah, it mean, is. But and outside of Bryce, at the addition of Bryce Young to the draft, you know they did just pick up Miles Sanders. Uh, they went out and got Hayden Hurst. They added Von Bell on the defensive side. Um, all big names that should be able to help him. Um, Chuba Hubbard's coming back. I probably pronounced his name wrong. Um, I know they got LaVisca, Chenault Jr., and you're big on him. So they on the offensive side, oh, yeah, and Adam Thielen, totally forgot about him. Um, he's going to have some weapons. So if he can just figure out the speed of the NFL and adjust, 
I think he could go on a run on the back half of the season. You know, I think that this is one of the uh, I think this is one of the big reasons why there's so many questions about Alabama quarterbacks when they're coming out of college. So much surrounding talent around them while they're there, it makes them kind of hard to evaluate. I mean, a lot of times they're thrown to wide open wide receivers, which are usually the cream of the crop in the country. They've become kind of wide receiver you over the last couple of years, producing multiple, multiple first round picks. I think actually the ones that he was throwing to in his sophomore season at Alabama, I think the majority of those guys were either first or second round picks, especially he's throwing to, you know, John Mechie, who was a second round pick to Houston. Thank goodness that he's actually recovering. He's going to be able to play this year from his cancer scare. Um, but I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm out on Bryce Young yet. I'm never going to be out on a 21 year old rookie quarterback. I think he has a lot of potential. I love the guy's charisma and his uh, personality. I think he's a leader of men. I'm just worried about the physical attributes and if he can make enough plays to stay competitive. Um, the roster as a whole, they have a lot of pieces. The one that you didn't even mention was their premier pass rusher and Brian Burns. He's a threat on that defensive side of the ball, always getting after the quarterback. I know they've got some guys there in the middle that can really move a pile and can really make some noise. Some great up-and-coming cornerbacks on the outside there. J.C. Horn is as good as they come in the league for a young quarterback Cornerback right now. Um, if he can stay healthy, he's always a stud. Um, like you said, Von Bell, who came off of a very solid, very, very, very solid career in Cincinnati. So he's kind of riding some of that momentum and can kind of bring in that young secondary. So a lot to like there in Carolina. Sorry, I was taking a drink of water there. But yes, um, I think that they will be in the hunt for a wild card spot, no. potentially. Potentially, it's, an, it's like I said, the NFC is down this year, so there is opportunity to succeed. But I will tell you the one team that I am very excited to play or excited to watch this year and has become kind of the secondary team here in Cincinnati, Ohio, which are the Atlanta Falcons. Um, a lot like a lot of these teams that we've mentioned before, a lot of their success is going to be uh, is going to be on the shoulders of their unproven young quarterback. Um, UC's own Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter there in Atlanta. They brought in a lot of talent, most notably B. John Robinson, one of the best backs that have come out in recent memory. They do have some wide receiver talent there in Drake London. Um, they've got Kyle Pitts, who's essentially another wide receiver as well. Um, I know they added a couple other pieces there. Um, I'm optimistic about Atlanta. I really like him. I love Arthur Smith. I know he's a he had some questionable. He was a questionable hire at the start because he wasn't the greatest OC in uh, Tennessee when he came over. But I like the energy that he brings. I love Desmond Ritter. I love Desmond Ritter to the day I die. I don't know how optimistic I am that he's going to be an elite tier quarterback in the league. But I think top from top to bottom, they have a solid roster. But it all really depends on that quarterback spot. Yeah, um, I go back to the Jordan Love thing, and it's like Jordan Love. If you compare the Packers to um, the um, the Falcons over here, I think that he has a little bit better wide receiver options. Honestly, um, I, I I look top to bottom at Atlanta's wide receivers, and I'm like, oof, outside of Drake London and maybe Mac Collins, who is this guy throwing to? I mean, I, I think he's going to be handing the ball off a ton to to B. John and. Maybe slinging it out to, to Janu, but you got You got to quit. You got to throw in Kyle Pitts there too. Yeah, I mean Janu Smith and Kyle Pitts. I mean those are two very solid, you know, tight ends. But outside of that, I mean you you compare it to the the Packers who has Dubes, who is now ranked 
maybe the best wide receiver in preseason. I know we keep talking about preseason, but I mean, Drake London and Matt Collins didn't have that great of a year last year. So eh, hopefully the addition of B. John, you know, maybe running them out in the flat opens things up a little bit in the passing game. I mean, um, I will, but I yeah, will... definitely. I, I think they're on the next step of the right direction for this team. It's trending up. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think that they're there yet. I'm not saying that they're there. I don't even, I think that they're going to be in competition for a wild card spot. Ultimately, I don't think that they're going to actually get it. Um, if, it, if it puts it in perspective, the amount of confidence that they have in Desmond Ritter, um, I will say this much that they did end up bringing in Taylor Heineke there just as an insurance policy um, guy with starting experience, you know, who could yeah, probably true. step in in case he, in case Desmond Ritter struggles, which is a very real possibility. I'm a little higher on Drake London than you are. Um, I know he was a thousand yard receiver, barely. I mean, I think he, he, he wasn't even at 1100 yards last year, but when you have, you know, a rookie Desmond Ritter and a, Marcus Mariota throwing to you. It's going to be hard to produce. I'm not, like I said, I don't want you to think that I'm thinking they're world beaters or anything like that because they're not. But I, I am optimistic about their future there. I think they have a good coaching staff in place. But, you know, we'll, it's one of those things. We'll just wait and see. Yeah, I, I foresee them, you know, winning one, maybe two games that they shouldn't have won and losing about three that they probably should have won. It's a transition year for them, for yeah. sure. They're definitely going to be growing. I kind of view them the way that I viewed Jacksonville last year. So, yeah. like, maybe yeah, they can squeak good... into the playoffs, but, um, you know, a lot of question marks, a lot of young talent that's growing, um, a lot of a lot of talent they've acquired there. The one team I do want to touch on, though, Caleb, that really I, – I want to get excited about them, but it's I'm struggling to – the New Orleans Saints – you know, they had a big question after Drew Bees retired a couple years ago, and they've been struggling to try to find an optimal solution to fill that role. Um, Sean Payton's long gone. Dennis Allen's there. Um, they bring they make a they make a big trade and they swing for the fences and bring in Derek Carr. I mean, I, I guess that's a swing for the fences, um, but the way that they paid him, I think it's swinging for the fences. But that roster in itself, it's kind of like one of those rosters where you look at it top to bottom and it's like. A lot of guys are a little older. Maybe they shouldn't be on the deals that they're on, <laughs> Michael Thomas. But I don't know. I don't know how to interpret the Saints. I don't know what to expect from them. You need to know three things when you think of the Saints this year. Number one, crab legs gets W's. Number two, Jimmy Graham is still in the NFL apparently, and now back in the Saints. Thirty-eight years old. And speaking of age, Michael Thomas. Still in the NFL. Who knew, right? I, you know what? This is this is crazy, and I'm just I'm gonna break break um, break podcast role here, if you will. Michael Thomas, man, what the hell? You were the premier wide receiver in the NFL for the majority of your. I mean, you had two back to back 1700 yard seasons. I mean, premier wide receiver made historic level money. And if there is ever an example of someone Albert Haynesworthing it or literally just taking a back seat after they got paid. It's Michael Thomas. We're talking about a guy who was was not viewed as a high prospect coming out into into the pros. I know he's a second round pick, but he was always kind of seen as kind of the vanilla option compared to some of the guys that went ahead of him. But you had the world in your hands to become one of the premier wide receivers. You had a you were on the trajectory of a Hall of Fame wide receiver here and you have not played since 2019. I don't understand. 
Yeah, if I uh, remember correctly, wasn't he right around that A.J. Green NFL draft-wise? A.J. Green? No, no, no. He was 2016. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Michael Thomas and A.J. Green were in the same draft. A.J. Green was 2011. Pretty sure, right? I might be mistaken about that one. Yeah, Yeah, don't quote me on that one, guys. we'll, We'll edit this out. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to edit it out. I was just wrong. But hey. anyway, I mean, Michael Thomas, you're right. He hasn't played in, what, two to three seasons since he got paid? And it's, I mean, if I was a Saints fan, I'd just be frustrated. No, you know, I mean, it, it's almost how I, uh, you know, see, like, the New York Mets still paying Bobby Bonilla or the, the Cincinnati Reds still paying King Griffey Jr. Yeah. Basically, you're just paying him to do nothing but sit on the bench. Lamp boy, but I don't know, man. I there is there is a when you look at the roster as a whole, I just don't think there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, and it, it starts to make you start to question what is the state of your tight end room when you are going out and signing 38 year old Jimmy Graham, who has did not play last year, and he's coming in, and there there is talk. I know he's had a little bit of legal issues that have come up here recently, but if he makes the roster. I mean, who's his competition to be a starting tight end? Taysom Hill? I mean, who's yeah. not young, by the way, going to be a thirty-three, going to be thirty-three himself this upcoming year. Alvin Kamara is going to be your starting running back. I, I who's going to be your your secondary wide receiver? Uh, Chris Olave is the, Olave. the secondary wide receiver. He's they, he's very solid. But you're right, third third down the list is Traquan Smith. I mean, I know that they do have some talent there, and you're right. I completely spaced on Chris Olave. He's a stud. So, I mean, it, it really depends. A lot of it depends on, you know, if these guys can stay healthy. Is Michael Thomas going to be motivated? That contract's getting closer towards the end here. You know, this is his age 30 season, which is always historically a drop-off in production for a lot of players is when they hit age 30. Sorry, Caleb. But, like, it is when they hit 30, you do see a little bit of the, the wear and tear uh, starting to take hold on their bodies. Defensive players, I'm not optimistic about their defense. It wasn't great last year. It was actually towards the bottom of the league last year. They didn't do very much to upgrade it. Um, I know that they just re-upped Cameron Jordan so that he's going to retire as a New Orleans Saint. He's in his mid-30s now. He's still kind of the face of that defense, if you will. Probably still a very serviceable pass rusher um, for New Orleans. I'm not excited about this roster at all. And if you're trying to sell this team to their fans there, Derek Carr is definitely not the way to do it. Um, he is kind of in that Kirk Cousins tier, incredibly solid. He's going to put up your 4,000 yards a season, 25 to 30 touchdowns probably every year. But he is not, that is not a roster that I'm excited about. No, it's, they're the, the two worst pairings in the NFL where the Texans were, I think it was like three years ago. It's not only that you're bad, but you're also bad and old. So it's kind of grim and no future, really. So I see them trending down where the Falcons and the Panthers are trending the other way. I think we know who's going to be the last in this uh, this division, though. Yeah, and uh, you know, I part of me doesn't want to talk about it, but part of me knows we have to. It is a juicy storyline. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 2023 season outlook, the year that they moved on from Tom Brady, who he's going in a different direction. 
Still a decent amount of talent in the Tampa Bay locker room. If you look at that roster from top to bottom, still a lot of guys to like there. Um, I just think that when you go into the court, you go into the season and you have a the shell of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask as your best two options, I think you're in for a rough season. Yeah, I mean, between those guys and then their depleted running back core and wide receiver core, it's it's kind of grim. I don't really see them, not to be punny, but I don't see the Buccaneers riding the ship anytime soon especially with the Baker Mayfield uh, addition. Um, I think he's still got a lot to prove on his uh, comeback journey. No, so I agree. I mean, a, a comeback journey, it just depends on how many more chances is, is this guy going to get. I'm a Baker lover. I loved Baker when he was coming out of college. Didn't think he was going to be an elite level player in the league, but after the first two se- or the first year and going into his second season, I thought this guy was going to be a gamer. I thought he was going to be a game changer. I thought he was going to be one of the top tier quarterbacks in the league. And then he just completely face planted on his way into his second season was incredibly mid. Didn't really do anything to shake off the rust or make himself look like a better player than he actually is. I still like Baker Mayfield, but I think he's one of those guys that really does wait, ride the wave of his confidence. And I think that every step of the way, his confidence has taken another shot after another shot, after another shot to the point of where now he's just kind of a shell of his former self. I think he's been dumped by a lot of teams, which he's not used to. He was never used to that. But the one thing about Baker Mayfield, and if we learned anything about him early on in his college career when he was there at Texas Tech, is you never count the man out. The wide receivers are still there. They still have Chris Godwin, who hopefully he's healthy this year and coming back ready to go. The point that I was exactly going to touch on is Godwin and Evans. And it's like, can those two stay healthy? Because after those two, it is a very, very large drop-off. Number three is David Moore, who, ugh. Yeah, not looking great. So, where did David Moore go to college? Uh, You're proving my point. Central? But, but the defense does have some players on it, but like, it's, it's starting to look like it's getting a little old in terms of what the defense is. Your best your premier pass rusher is still Shaquille Barrett, who hasn't really produced since that massive 2019 season that he had where he put up 19 and a half sacks. Has not really produced since then. They're really lacking on a lot of fronts on the defensive side of the ball. They let Mike Edwards go. He moved on. Um, they do have, you know, they, they let Sean Murphy Bunting go. He's now in Tennessee, who yeah. I really liked, was one of the better slot corners in the league. Um, they paid Jamil Dean to stay in to stay on the roster. He still got Devin White. They still have Devin White. They still have Levante David there. So, I mean, they're not devoid of talent. They have guys there that can produce. They're a little bit on the older side of it. Devin White, obviously, is not. I think he's only 25 years old. But um, there's some holes in his game in itself. I just think when we when you start to think about the Buccaneers and you go through the roster and you start to convince yourself that some of these guys have some gas left in the tank, that they are still some really good players, I always keep going back to the quarterback position, and it's just not there, man. It's just really not there. Baker Mayfield, I think if he's going to be the starter, which I, I do think he's going to start the season out as the starter, I think we're going to see both these guys. I think Kyle Trask, we're going to see him at some point this season as well. Was not high on Kyle Trask coming out of college. Um, I know he was third in the Heisman in 2020, um, but I'm not optimistic about this quarterback room. I think it's going to hold him back. It's clearly the worst in the NFC South here. Um yeah, I think it's it's without any shadow of a doubt it's going to be number four. And I think with their um, with their 
their ability and their their desire to stick with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I think it really, personally, I think they're one of the teams that are going to be tanking for one of the top tier quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. And if if that is actually the case, Bryce Young just walked into a dream division to for his rookie season. I, I don't think that there's an easier division in all of football for a rookie quarterback to be in. No, and what makes it even juicier is the the prospect. And, you know, actually, if Tampa Bay ends up getting the worst pick and they make a selection like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, the NFC South changes completely. And if we see Desmond Ritter and he actually puts together a solid season and shows flashes of being more than, you know, just a serviceable, serviceable starting quarterback, you know, maybe we we start looking at this division a little differently. You know, there is a chance I think we could see Derek Carr, you know, with a lot of weapons around him. and Michael Thomas, you know, gets his act together. Chris Olave starts producing more. Alvin Kamara, you know, bounces back from kind of a down year. I think there there's a lot of potential here in the NFC South. Obviously, Tampa Bay, I I'm, I don't gamble. I'm not a gambling guy. But if I were to, I would put money on them finishing in fourth, no shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I just I just don't see the the Bucks. I, I see the probability of the Bucks tanking more than the Bucks actually being competitive. No, I agree with that. Couldn't agree with it anymore. The last division that we have to cover, the NFC West, which is actually one of the better divisions in the NFC this year. I think from top to down, I think from top to bottom, there's a lot of optimism for each one of these teams. And I think we could see a lot of um, a lot of wins, a lot of W's, and it could be a very competitive division. A lot of quarterback questions going into this year. Um, one that I wasn't anticipating talking about tonight, but I think we have to. Um, but to start things off, the Arizona Cardinals, this is kind of one of the bigger boomer busts rosters in all of football. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we'd be talking about Kyler Murray and him looking like a cheerleader from the longest yard this week, but, you know, here we are. Nope, that's the truth. I mean, Kyler Murray, he is a definitely a playmaker, you could say. I would say maybe a little bit reckless of a playmaker. You're going to get the turnovers with him. He's going to make, he's going to, for every three or four wow plays he's going to make, he's going to make three or four boneheaded plays. Um, I think personally, this year is going to be his first year in the league where he's not going to be throwing to um, DeAndre Hopkins, or it'll be his second year um, in the league where he's not throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, who I think was kind of a major boon for him. He also had AJ Green there last year. Um, and they were kind of making plays, bit two big-bodied guys. Both of them are gone now, so they really don't have that elite-level guy on the outside that can really go up and win plays. They have Hollywood Brown there, who, you know, um, you know, his buddy from college, who really didn't produce all that much last year in Arizona. I know he got banged up last year. Um, the running back room, they did nothing to really upgrade that room, and they're kind of coming back to the well, and they're diving in with James Conner once again, who... If there's ever the definition of a plotting running back in the NFL who's going to grind you out three yards, it's James Conner. He's going to grind you out three yards and probably get hurt doing it. Um, they call that. Uh, they call it three yards in a cloud of dust. <laughs> no, that's the truth. And I mean, he's. I like. I like James Conner. I think he's a great story. I don't think he is a premier running back who should be the starter on a playoff hopeful roster. Um, I am down on the Arizona Cardinals. You could say I am I am fading the Cardinals. I am echoing you there 100%. I mean, you look at their wide receiver room, as you mentioned, and you know they lost some guys and they didn't replace them. Um, I mean, Hollywood Brown out there on the outside, yeah. Oh, Premier Tower. And then 
It's who is number two. If Rondale I'm looking at this Moore. roster, it's probably Greg Dortch or Rondale Moore. Um, as well as, you know, Zach Ertz coming back off of the, the season any injury that so sidelined him for the back half. They have three wide receivers who are sub five foot ten and they have a thirty four, soon to be thirty five year old tight end. Well, I guess he's thirty three. Yeah, uh, I mean I don't foresee them winning six games. No, and they're I like I said, I am down on the Cardinals and another team that I'm really down on, the LA Rams. I think they're going into I don't know what their offseason plan was, but they really did. I think this is the year where we really, really, really start to see the effects of them mortgaging the future for that Super Bowl win in 2020. Um, I'm not bitter about it. You are. Um, Matthew Stafford, bum shoulder. Haven't seen him really play all that much. I think he played at the beginning of last year. Looked kind of abysmal before they shut him down. But the one player that I wasn't anticipating talking about going into this season, Stetson Bennett's kind of coming up there, kind of a big name, older guy, drafted in the, I believe, the fourth round by the L.A. Rams. They like this guy a lot, and what we've seen so far in preseason, I know, once again, it is preseason, but what we've seen from him this preseason, I'm optimistic about Stetson Bennett. I mean, is there a chance that we could be talking about him as the starter here, maybe this season, sooner rather than later? I 100% that that is a likelihood based on Matthew Stafford's track record of getting injured, not finishing out seasons, as you alluded to, bum shoulder. Um, I think they took uh, Stetson as a insurance policy for this so that if Stafford does, if and when, I think, he does go down, Bennett can take the reins. That paired with, you know, Cam Akers and... Uh, they're they're not a great defense, but it's pretty stout out there in L.A. No, they still have Aaron Donald there making plays in the middle of that, uh, that D-line. Yeah, I mean, I think they're solid. I mean, I think that they can turn it over and get the ball back to the offense and, and I still keep think on you, humming here with Sean Stetson Bidden. With Sean McVay there kind of calling the shots, I think that there's a lot of optimism to, optimism to be had. He's turned guys that were later round draft picks into studs. I mean, look at Cooper Cup, third-round draft pick. He was the best wide receiver in football there for a season. He looked incredible. He's coming back. He's healthy this year, healthy-ish, I should say. I know he got dinged up. He's dealing with some hampering injuries, but the running back room was not upgraded at all. Um, the wide receiver room is outside of Cooper Cup is leaves a lot to be desired. I'm, I'm kind of fading the Rams as well. I like Stetson Bennett. I hated him in college, which is crazy for me to say. But So, I mean... I mean, yes. I mean, Stetson Bennett is their their insurance policy that they ended up drafting and bringing on board. Um, I think if things do start going sideways for the Rams, I could see them being in the conversation of, you know, tanking for Caleb Williams. He's already, you know, USC guy out there on the West Coast. Just pop him right down the street, plug him right into the Rams organization. No, I agree. I think that there's a lot of optimism to be had in L.A., um, like you said, they do have the ability to go up and draft their own guy that they want this year, which is going to be the first time in what seems like the better part of a decade. So, I mean, I think they we're going to see them making quite a few moves this year. I think they're going to we're, they're going to be trying out a bunch of different things. I don't trust that Matthew Stafford is healthy. He's also 35 years old, which is a little bit of a negative on him, especially coming off a pretty major shoulder issue. That's something to keep your eye on. 
I don't think that they're really in contention for the postseason this year. I think that they can surprise. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that they're going to be up the. Uh, I don't think they're going to be at the top of the division this year, which kind of leads us to the cream of the crop of the division, which are the San Francisco 49ers and Caleb. I love this roster. I love it. Yeah, the obviously the only question mark over the past couple seasons is you know who's throwing the football, and I think as of right now it's Brock Purdy, and I, I don't think they're going to turn turn or shy away from him being their starter. No, I think it definitely um, is definitely going to be Brock Purdy going into the season. I think he's pretty well entrenched into the, in that role on the off on the on the roster, loaded up roster. So I mean, when everybody was singing him praises last year, credit for him. I love it, Mister Irrelevant, seventh round draft pick, showing out, may it turn in heads with some of his play. Um, but kind of like Jalen Hurts, it's hard not to make plays when you're throwing to George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. And you've got a ton of depth there. You've got a lot of playmakers there. Their defense is the best in football. With the four, uh, it starts off with you know, reigning defensive player of the year Nick Bosa coming in healthy. They added a lot of pieces to the defense too. They added more talent there. Great safety play, elite level linebacker play. Their defensive front seven is the best in football. Yeah, and a lot of people forget the only reason really why that game wasn't even competitive last year you know, in the conference finals was this team just got super banged up at the end of the year where I think what they were on their fourth string quarterback, fifth string quarterback. Yeah. And then he ended up getting hurt. And then towards, I think, believe the second yeah, half in, Christian McCaffrey, the game. Christian McCaffrey was quarterback for the fourth quarter. And then, yeah, uh, so uh, I mean, that's almost a throwaway game and not even really equal to talk about no, them not being in contention, not balling out, so to speak is I think uh, the NFC runs through San Francisco. No, I think it does too. I agree with it. And the one thing that I, we haven't mentioned yet, when, one, we should mention Christian McCaffrey, top-tier running back, maybe the best talent at running back in the NFL right now, an elite-level wide receiver, great runner between the tackles as well, probably the best hand top-to-bottom running back in the NFL. A lot of questions with Purdy, but this team is very well-coached. Very well run organization. They have been historically, and that doesn't change now. They are great right now. They are incredibly motivated after being humiliated in the postseason due to all their quarterbacks getting banged up and injured last year. So I think they're coming into the year with a chip on their shoulder. I think they want to take the league by storm. I think by week eight, we're going to be able to say that they're they're the best team in the NFC. I think they'll be up there right there with Philadelphia. I think they're better. They have a better roster which is incredible for me to say, than Philadelphia. Um, But I think, like you said, I think the NFC is going to run through San Francisco this year. Yeah, and just to to touch on the beginning of their schedule, they start out with Steelers, Rams, Giants, Cardinals, Cowboys, Browns. So we're going to know right away how good of a team they are. (laughs) I don't think they lose a game in the first seven weeks. Yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't on paper, and we're also going to get a, a large sample size of Brock Purdy. Is he going to be say? Uh, is he going to be healthy coming off that Tommy John surgery? Um, you know, what kind of a player is he going to be? I'm curious to see, and I'm curious for your take. What type of player is Brock Purdy going to be? I mean, he produced last year, and he put up numbers in the limited amount of time that we saw him, which I think was eight games. Don't quote me on that, but I, he put up numbers last year, and he looked really good along the way. Um, I am personally optimistic about Brock Purdy. I love his personality, and I think he fits in perfectly with what Kyle Shanahan's trying to do there. 
the one storyline that we have not touched on. Have you been watching any of the major media outlets or the talking heads just dunk on Trey Lance here recently? Yeah, I mean, it seems like they are 100% just totally out on him. It sounds like Sam Darnold is above him on the depth chart. Which it begs the question is, is are they are they going to move him? I mean, he was the number three overall pick in 2021, and people forget about that quite a bit. Has I not think, really had an opportunity to showcase his talents yet. But yeah, I think like you just leave that in the past and just chalk it up as a loss, honestly, and you just continue on. You know, you you missed on that first round draft pick of Trey Lance, but you hit on a seventh rounder in Brock Purdy. So you got to roll with what works. Brock Purdy is definitely a non-tradition has a non-traditional path to being a starting quarterback in the NFL. You don't see a lot of seventh round picks. But he should be inspired by another guy who had a, a non-traditional path to being a starter. Geno Smith, who is going to be the starting quarterback, coming off a Pro Bowl season in Seattle up there. This is another one of those rosters where I, I love their coaching staff. I love their roster. I think they're going to be very competitive in the NFC West. I don't think that they have the talent to be one of those top-tier teams, but I think they're definitely in that B-tier in the NFC. Yeah, I see them competing for the wild card. We'll probably get a wild card as long as Pete Carroll doesn't run out of chewing gum. That is true. I don't think he's going to run out of bubble yum just yet. But I think he owns stock in that company, how much he chews chewing gum on the side. Do you think he's a bubble yum guy or is he a bazooka guy? Uh, I could see him being a zebra stripe. (laughs) Zebra stripe, you know, he might throw in a monkey wrench and be a trident guy. Who knows? You know, I mean, I, yeah, he might have a dirty mouth, need to be cleaning it up with orbits. Who knows? Have you guys ever wanted to go on a uh, a nice little journey with Pete Carroll as he describes what it's like to chew five gum? Because I have. <laughs> but no, <laughs> they are going to be a fun team to watch. I want to give credit to Geno Smith. I don't ever, I, I listen to a lot of sports talk radio, and I don't ever hear enough credit be given to Geno Smith. I, don't, I think that the, the national media is underselling what we saw from this guy. I have never seen, I've been watching football for 25 years, dedicated, studying rosters, looking at player transactions, looking at players' trajectory as they progress through their career. I have never seen, never seen a quarterback go from a second round draft pick, bouncing around the, around the league for a decade, and then come in and produce at a Pro Bowl level at age 32. It doesn't happen in the in this league. And He's like a phoenix. Happen. He came back, rised out of the ashes over there in the Jets. It did. It just does not make sense to me. I know he's been around with you know he was in he was with the Chargers for a while. I think he, he was with the Giants for a little bit. Obviously, started his career with the Jets for a while. Really bounced around the league. I did not see this coming. I did not see this level of production coming from him. They have wide receiver talent right there. They still have DK Metcalf entering into the prime of his career could potentially be one of the best wide receivers in football if everything is in sync there. They have a decent enough running back room where, you know, Pete Carroll, he, you know, he makes lemonade out of dirt. I mean, he knows how to produce running backs kind of like a Shanahan where he can he can pull out a grid uh, solid level running back with very little talent and they have talent, which is crazy because they have Yeah. Um, and let's not forget they may have drafted the best wide receiver in the the draft class this past Jackson Smith um, and Jigba. In, in Jigba. Nope, not for sure. They they got a stud wide receiver, and they, they still have, I mean, in their running back room, they drafted a second-round pick into in Zach Charbonnet, 
which was a bit of a head scratcher because they still have Walker there who produced at a great level last year, looked phenomenal, but they have a nice one-two punch there in the in the backfield. Like you said, they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba, who might be an elite level slot wide receiver on the low end, on the high end. He could be an absolute stud of a wide receiver on the outside as well. He the sky's the limit for him. They still have, you know, tons of talent all across the roster as well. Um, they have the other wide receiver from Kansas State. Um, I'm spacing on his name right now. Uh, Tyler um, Lockett. Tyler Lockett. They still have Tyler Lockett there, who's coming off multiple thousand-yard seasons. Big touchdown producer, and big play guy. Don't forget about Kay Johnson. He was solid at the end of the season as well. Kay Johnson. I mean, they have a lot of roster, a lot of talent on this roster. The defense is getting better. It's progressing to be a better team. They have a, still a, a great offensive line. I think Seattle is going to be, I think they're going to be a little bit better next year or this year than they were last year. But a lot of it just, I, I'm curious. I'm I'm just enthralled to see what kind of a player Geno Smith is going to be. Because as somebody yeah, who is and, a massive Geno Smith fan coming out of West Virginia, and I thought he was going to be a star in the league, he really let me down to the point of where he was an afterthought in my mind, but he really turned my head this last year. Yeah. And, and like likewise, what I was about to say is just like the 49ers, they start their season with a pretty easy schedule. Uh, Rams, Lions, Panthers, Giants could easily see them winning three out of four and getting off to a hot start, right? Right, going into their bye week into week five. No, makes sense. I'm I am very optimistic about this team, and I think it's going to be a I think yeah, it's going to be I a mean, lot of fun. So I guess who are your picks to win each division, and who's your wild cards? So. I, I don't think it's actually very hard to pick out who the winner is going to be in each division. I know there's some that's going to be a little, little harder to predict. Um, I think the Giants, obviously, in the NFC East, or the Eagles in the NFC East, they're going to come out on top without a very little resistance there. I think in the NFC North, this is where it gets a little hairy. I'm going with the Detroit Lions. I think oh. that I think that they're well coached there. Um, I think that they are uh, top down better roster than the Chicago Bears, who are kind of number two and the vanilla Minnesota Vikings. I think in the NFC South, you know what? Money should say I should put my money on the Carolina Panthers, kind of the upstart guys coming out, but I'm high on Atlanta with the, the talent that they've added. Um, and NFC West, I'm going with the 49ers. Wildcard teams, I don't think it's very hard to predict either. I'm going to I'm gonna still roll with the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're going to slide in with probably a double-digit win season, low double digits, like 10 to 11 wins, and I think Seattle. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, likewise on the Eagles, I think it runs through Philly over there in the NFC East. Um, NFC North, I personally think the Bears, you know, Dub Bears. Um, I think with the coaching staff and the talent they added at the wide receiver position, I think that they're going to, you know, trend in the right direction and slip on in. Um, the NFC South, I just see as just absolutely wide open. Um, man, this one's tough. I know you said Panthers. I could easily see them doing it, but I think it it still runs through uh, New Orleans. I think Derek Carr has a lot of talent. You know, Michael Thomas can stay healthy as well steadiest as Kamara. In that, in that, in that division. What's up? I'm sorry. Just the steadiest quarterback in the division. I think. Oh he's yeah, the most yeah. I mean, he's just sure. he's just solid. I I think. I I like solid QB play, and in that division, I think he is shockingly the best QB 
in that division. Right honestly, now on paper, which is yes. sad to I say. Think, I think by the end of the season, I don't think he will be. I have faith in Desmond Ritter. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, I like yeah. I mean, talent, I could definitely but... see that happening. But yeah, I, I'm picking the Saints to win that uh, the the NFC South, and then uh, in the West, I think he goes through the 49ers. Um, wildcard teams, I think the Seahawks are are in, and then I'm going. Uh, I'm going Vikings. Ooh, with the Vikings, I like it. With the Vikings, yeah, I think Justin Jefferson. You know, he is the best wide receiver I think in the NFL, and it does. It is a little bit of tale telling that a great wide receiver like him can carry an offense. So, no, I agree. Going with what, the Vikes. Before we, we're, we're getting a little long here in time, so we're going to wrap things up. But before we go out, I wanted to ask you one last question, Caleb. What are your thoughts on Mario Addison? And before I do it, let me set it up. Former Belichnikoff Award winner at Pitt. Um, really great deep threat. Really good speed. Didn't show out great at the combine, but you know produced. Signed a massive deal for a lot of NIL money over there at uh, USC. Didn't really produce great, but you know I, I heard he kind of had eyes on the league already and really wasn't putting his bet, best foot forward, which I don't like. But as a player, as a prospect, I really did like him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, this is just a tricky one. Yeah, not putting his best foot forward is the reports coming out of camp. Um, I don't love smaller wide receivers just honestly i mean he he stands at a stature of six foot 175 um i think devonta smith over there in philly was the exception i don't foresee him transitioning into the nfl as good as devonta did i agree devonta was definitely a, a tier above a tier above and beyond sure without any doubt yeah i think devonta's a one of one over there i don't think we'll see another mold like him come into the nfl anytime soon almost kind of like dk metcalf just a freak on the other end of the nature where people are like well he's too big well apparently no he's not could not agree with you more but anyways everybody we are out of time for today um i think we had a lot of a lot of fun football discussions i had fun talking about these teams i feel like i learned a lot just from caleb's knowledge i hope that you guys did too um with that being said i'm very excited for this upcoming season football can't get here meaningful football can't get here soon enough but i am enjoying the storylines i'm enjoying the preseason caleb do you have any last words before we kind of roll on out here no no i think uh next week we're gonna have a ton to talk about as we wrap up the afc before the season actually gets officially started um so definitely tune in check out ben and i's previews of who we think is going to win each division and you might be shocked at a couple of our wild cards and we will definitely be doing our super bowl predictions next week as well i think that's going to be really exciting um our preseason or our our, uh, season preview show will be coming up after that so we're really excited about that a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline here like i said there's gonna be a lot of a lot of a lot of parts moving here as we move forward um I thank you guys, everybody, for joining us tonight. Um, I had a good time. I hope to see you next time. If you like the video, please share the video as much as you can. We're trying to get the, or please share the the pod as much as you can. We're trying to get the word out. Tell your friends, tell your family. Um, We got a lot of great things in store for us. Um, In the meantime, go ahead and like and subscribe to our, and follow our Twitter page. Um, We have a Facebook page coming very soon as well. Um, But if you enjoyed the pods, make sure you subscribe to all those things. And, uh, Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Viking sideline has gone nuts. This team that we're looking for next year, we're improving now for the future. And what a play by Dante. Everything that could have been.